Welcome to A Great Big City News, Episode 5. Today, subway car problems, a long-distance phone call, and ride a lime. Visit agreatbigcity.com support to learn how to support New York City local news and allow us to keep bringing you this podcast. If you are a New York-based business and would be interested in sponsoring our podcast, visit agreatbigcity.com advertising to learn more. MTA head Andy Byford announced that there will be a temporary halt on orders for Bombardier subway cars as manufacturing defects have been discovered in the current deliveries. The New York Daily News reported earlier this month that cars from the longtime subway builder were already years behind schedule and have been plagued by problems with air compressors, stuck doors, and even safety springs strung between cars being under too much tension. As payment, the manufacturer will provide at least 16 extra cars for free above the original order of 300 and may need to increase that number if problems continue. Montreal-based Bombardier is one of three companies supplying the modern fleet of subway cars, which cost around $2 million each. The MTA has also had problems keeping buses in place, and now we know why. There has been a serial bus thief lately who has still not been identified. One solution has been adding security guards to keep an eye on any parked buses, but another solution may have been something you hadn't thought of. How does someone just drive off with a bus? Turns out the buses only have push-button start since they are meant to be kept in secure garages, but now the MTA is racing to install new ignitions that will require a key to start. Although relatively few buses are ever left unattended on the street, the MTA intends to install key ignitions on all of its 5,700 buses. No word on whether all the buses will end up sharing the same key pattern. 104 years ago, on January 25, 1915, Alexander Graham Bell places the first transcontinental long-distance phone call from New York to San Francisco. While long-distance lines had been installed between cities since the late 1800s, this was the first coast-to-coast call made possible by 4,700 miles of connected telephone wire. The final connection was made on the Nevada and Utah state line on June 17, 1914, and AT&T President Theodore Vail successfully transmitted his voice across the country in July 1914. To reveal the new accomplishment, Bell performed a phone call six months later from the 15th floor of the telephone building at 15 Day Street in Lower Manhattan to San Francisco, where the Panama Pacific International Exposition was taking place. With Bell in New York and his partner Thomas Watson in San Francisco, they proceeded to reenact the same exchange they had performed 38 years earlier while they were perfecting telephone communication between floors of a Boston boarding house. This time, when Bell called out for Watson to come here, Watson joked that it would take a week for him to arrive. The signal traveled a single line open loop between New York, Washington, D.C., Jekyll Island in Georgia, and Boston, allowing many participants during the call, including President Woodrow Wilson from D.C. and AT&T President Theodore Vail from Jekyll Island, Georgia, where he was recovering from a leg injury. The great distance was made possible by vacuum tubes called audions that amplified the signal as it traveled across the country, and approximately 1,500 AT&T employees were stationed along the loop of wire on the day of the demonstration, standing ready to repair any damage. After the debut, AT&T offered the transcontinental telephone line for business use, charging $20.70 for the first three minutes, equivalent to a staggering $515 in 2018. It's only a matter of time before the electronic scooter craze hits New York, and Lime Scooter is already in the city, giving demonstrations this weekend of their new scooter. Stop by the Lime Lounge on 342 West 37th Street, 
and take the new Lime 3.0 scooter for a spin this weekend. The new scooters are custom made and more suited for street use, where the scooters are typically rented and then left anywhere along the street, with Lime strongly suggesting that you place them out of pedestrians' way. Whether or not the riders adhere to those recommendations is part of the problem and will certainly be an issue in New York. From 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. on January 25th and January 26th, Lime will offer indoor rides of the scooters and will certainly hope that elected officials take notice. Visit the link in the show notes to find out more. Fourteen years ago, on January 23rd, 2005, the FDNY suffers Black Sunday, where three firefighters are killed and four are injured in two separate fires. It was the deadliest day for the FDNY since the September 11th attacks. In the Bronx at 236 East 178th Street at Grand Concourse, an early morning three-alarm fire erupted in a building containing illegally converted apartments. The frigid temperatures caused difficulties with frozen hydrants and fire hoses. When the fire flashed through an apartment door, firefighters had no escape and jumped from the building. Firefighters Curtis Mayran and John Bellew were killed by the fall, with four others severely injured. The firefighters' deaths renewed interest in a safety device that is designed for those exact evacuation procedures, but had been discontinued by the FDNY in the year 2000. Over the next year, the safety ropes were tested and issued to every firefighter. Later that same day, temperatures became too high as a group of firefighters were investigating a basement fire on Jerome Street in East New York, and Richard T. Sclafani was killed in the blaze. Candles, holiday decorations, and electric heaters cause an increase in home fires during the winter, and the FDNY asked that all residents take precautions and inspect fireplaces, smoke alarms, and any decorations for potential hazards. In episode one of the podcast, I told you about the most expensive real estate sale of the week, being the 95th floor apartment at 432 Park Avenue at $41.25 million, but this week's top sale broke an entirely new record. Hedge fund manager Ken Griffin bought the penthouse at 220 Central Park South for $238 million, setting a record for the highest price paid for a home not just in New York, but in the entire country. In this case, don't go visiting our show notes looking for any photos. The developer of the building has taken the unique approach of not releasing images of the apartment interiors. That hedge fund manager may already have a new neighbor. We are so excited to be here in Queens to reveal the second largest jackpot winner in New York lottery history. He won the $298.3 million jackpot from the December 26, 2018 Powerball drawing. Brooklyn truck driver Dave Johnson came forward to claim a $298.3 million lotto fortune. He bought the ticket the day after Christmas while he stopped to get gas for his truck. I get up and do my normal routine in the morning and then uh, I drive around to work. But this time I didn't go straight to the job. I go by the gas station and I stop there first and I check my ticket and I look at the board and I'm like, oh my God, Jesus Christ, oh my God, yo. And, that's, and uh, I, I see the number, I signed, it, I signed the ticket and I gave it to, I gave it to the guy, by the, the clerk, and he checked and I said, Dave, you win it big, man. I said, yeah, man, I win it big. Yo. I jump up and down in the store, man. After taxes, Mr. Johnson will net about $114 million which may also be enough to score him an exclusive tour of any remaining apartments at 220 Central Park South. Incoming flights were delayed at LaGuardia on Friday due to staffing issues at two air traffic control centers along the East Coast. 
Around 10 a.m., the FAA released the advisory that flights were being delayed incoming to LaGuardia Airport to space out the traffic so that the smaller staff of air traffic controllers could safely land all the planes. The delays began at 41 minutes but quickly increased to an hour and 26 minutes, with arrival delays still being listed as 1 hour 15 minutes, 10 hours after the original announcement. During that decrease in flights, the White House conceded and reopened the government for three weeks, ending the 35-day shutdown, leading the Associated Press to wonder if the six air traffic controllers that had called out were truly to thank for showing the true impact of the shutdown and how dire circumstances had become after government employees had gone two pay periods with zero-dollar paychecks. The latest Quinnipiac poll was a survey of 929 New York voters surveyed on a variety of issues. Concerning marijuana legalization, 65% of those surveyed supported legalizing small amounts of marijuana for personal use, with the strongest support coming from 18 to 34-year-olds, of which 84% supported the legalization. Although support was strong across every region of the state, political affiliation, and age group when asked if they would partake in legal marijuana, 70% were on the no side, saying they would definitely or probably not try it. Even among 18 to 34-year-olds, the majority was on the side of not try at 51%. Despite the high support for marijuana legalization, 70% of respondents supported raising the age to buy cigarettes and e-cigarettes from 18 to 21 years old. Our full write-up on all the responses will be in the show notes. The Great Big City has been running a 24-hour news feed since 2011, but the AGBC News podcast is just getting started, and we need your support. A Great Big City is built on a dedication to explaining what is happening and how it fits into the larger history of New York, which means thoroughly researching every topic and avoiding clickbait headlines to provide a straightforward, honest, and factual explanation of the news. Individuals can make a monthly or one-time contribution at agreatbigcity.com support, and local businesses can have a lasting impact by supporting local news while promoting their products or services directly to interested customers listening to this podcast. Visit agreatbigcity.com advertising to learn more and to get in touch. With your support, you can guarantee that A Great Big City will be here to tell future generations about manufacturing defects in the next, next generation of subway cars. The Park of the Day, Church Triangle, in the Bronx at Castle Hill Avenue, Watson Avenue, and the Cross Bronx Expressway, Church Triangle looked very much in 1925 as it does today, a grassy triangle enclosed by a wrought iron fence. Renovated in 1996 through mayoral funds of $16,540, with a tree, a flag, and a monument to soldiers from Unionport who died in World War I. If you're interested in learning more about trees in the parks this winter, take part in the Winter Tree ID program given by the Parks Department. Sunday, January 27th from 1 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. Stop by Van Breezen Park in Staten Island at School Road and Bay Street. The urban park rangers will teach participants how to identify a tree by the bark, buds, and other distinctive features so that you can know more about the trees in your local park. Contact 718 967 3542 for more information. And now, I think I heard our robot friend talking about a concert next week. Something about a mushroom? Coming up on the concert calendar. 
This is the AGBC concert calendar for the weekend beginning of Friday January 25th. Les Savifab and Patio are playing elsewhere in Bushwick on Saturday January 26th at 7pm. Rebel Bucket and Diet Sig are playing Brooklyn Steel and Greenpoint on Saturday January 26th at 8pm. Cindy Kane, Material Girls, ZZ's Walk, and Kissing is a Crime are playing Babies All Right in Williamsburg on Sunday January 27th at 8pm. Bring Me the Horizon, The Fever 333, and Thrice are playing the Hammerstein Ballroom in Midtown on Tuesday January 29th starting at 7pm. Infected Mushroom is playing the Brooklyn Bowl in Williamsburg on Wednesday January 30th at 8pm. Thanks for listening. Find more fun things to do at agreatbigcity.com slash events. You know what's easier than hauling a bag of trash down to your building's lobby? Not producing any trash at all. A new store in Bushwick called Precycle bills itself as a package-free store, which sets it apart from other grocery stores like Whole Food or Sahadi's that have a bulk section, but also offer packaged foods. At Precycle, you'll need to bring mason jars, mesh bags, or any clean, reusable container to fill up with bulk store staples like dried fruit, rice, and spices, or restock your entire kitchen with bulk sugar, salt, and even soap. Stop by Star Street and Cypress Avenue in Bushwick to see what you can find. The weather for the week ahead will be mixed precipitation on Tuesday and Wednesday, with high temperatures falling to 16 degrees on Thursday. The historic extreme temperatures for the week were negative 2 degrees on January 28, 1925, and 72 degrees on January 26, 1950. Thanks for listening to A Great Big City News. Follow along 24 hours a day on social media at A Great Big City, or email contact at A Great Big City with any news, feedback, or topic suggestions. We're just getting started, so if you enjoy the show, subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening, and visit agreatbigcity.com slash podcast to see show notes and extra links for each episode.